Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. And on today's episode, I'm going to be doing a my official review of a mockbuster that is called Ape vs. Monster. This film came out last year in 2021. It is very obviously a ripoff or a mockbuster of Godzilla vs. Kong that also came out in 2021. The two films were released only one month apart. Godzilla vs. Kong coming out in March and uh, this film, the film in question, coming out in April. So uh, a year ago this month, pretty much. Um, I'm not going to lie. The, the movie was decent. Like, I, I walked into this movie having zero expectations. Like, I mean, whenever I, whenever, because I own it on DVD, I also own it uh, digitally. <clears throat> but um, whenever, whenever I went to, to plug this into my, my Blu-ray player, like, you know, and sat down, the main menu was up and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I've got, I've got nothing. I'm not expecting this to be good. I pretty much knew it was going to be bad. Um, you know, I didn't go in thinking, well, I hope the CGI at least is pretty good. Or I hope the fight itself, uh, the ape versus monster is going to be pretty good. Like I, I walked in with nothing. Like it was just like, okay, this is a mockbuster. It's a ripoff. It's done by the asylum. Uh, I've mentioned in past episodes. Um, I'm, I'm pretty fond in a guilty pleasure kind of way of the asylum and the movies that they make and all of that, because they are known for making mockbusters. They are known for just, you know, blatantly ripping off big named films and all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, I, I can't remember if it's whenever it first came out or if they just came out with one, maybe it was whenever the sequel came out, <clears throat> but, uh, whenever Pacific Rim was all the rage and everybody was talking about it, they came out with a film called Atlantic Rim. Like, you know, come on. <laughs> and so, you know, Godzilla versus uh, Kong comes out. They make Ape versus Monster. Um, in 2018, the film The Meg came out. They came out with a film called Megalodon. And I'm going to go on ahead and say that whenever I did my episode on The Meg, that I, I stated something that was incorrect. Like, I, I was just, I was wrong about something. <clears throat> I said that The Asylum came out with a film called Megalodon Rising and that it was a sequel to the 2018 film. And I was basically like, you know, it's not a sequel to that and all that kind of stuff. Like, they can't do that. There's copyrights and, and all of that kind of stuff. I was unaware that they had come out with a film called Megalodon in 2018 to capitalize off of The Meg. And so the film Megalodon Rising is a sequel to that film that came out in 2018. But you see, that's the kind of stuff that they do. That's <laughs> that's the asylum. That's how they that's how they are. To where <clears throat> you know there's there's a big 
Meg movie that came out in 2018. And instead of being like, oh, we came out with a movie called Megalodon in 2018 and Megalodon Rising is a sequel to that. They just simply state like, hey, here's this movie about Megalodons and it's a sequel to the 2018 movie. Completely leaving out that it's a sequel to their own 2018 Megalodon movie. Like, it just simply, it's a sequel to the 2018 movie to make people think, oh, this is a sequel to uh, The Meg and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, people that look up movies and all that kind of stuff, the, like, you can obviously tell. You know, whenever you whenever you look it up and you see, like, the IMDb score and the Rotten Tomato scores and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, Metacritic and all that kind of nonsense, like, you you could tell, like, okay, this this is... This is not to be taken seriously at all, which, you know, like it, 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 it boggles my mind. I know this is very off topic, but it boggles my mind that studios like the asylum can get funding. Like where, 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 where does the funding come from? Where does the money come from to where like whenever a big name movie is coming out, like, hey, we're going to create a ripoff of this movie, and we're going to have a very small budget, and we're going to use very terrible CGI effects and get some of the worst actors that you can imagine and all of that kind of stuff, and we're going to make a full-blown movie. Like, I think I've talked to you guys before about, like, with bad movies and all of that kind of stuff to where, like, a lot of people say, like, who came up with this movie? Like, who wrote this movie and all that kind of stuff? I'm not I'm not usually concerned about who came up with the movie or who wrote it or who directed it or anything like that. I'm much more interested in who greenlit it. Like, when it comes to bad movies, like, who... Okay, somebody came up with it and they wrote it and they wanted to direct it and all that kind of stuff, but who brought that movie to a legit film studio... And said, look at this garbage that I came up with. And this studio looks at it and goes, yes, we will give you thousands upon thousands, sometimes even millions of dollars to make this trash. We have faith in you and we have faith in it. And so, <laughs> you know, like it just, this, this is one of those movies. Like I understand that it's a mockbuster. I understand that. You know, it, its sole purpose in existence is to be a ripoff of Godzilla vs. Kong and was to capitalize on the popularity of Godzilla vs. Kong. Like, you know, the the monster that's in the film looks doesn't look like Godzilla, but it's somewhat similar. It's a Godzilla-type monster, like a giant lizard-looking monster. And the ape is, well, it's an ape, but in this case, instead of being a supersized gorilla, it is a supersized chimpanzee. And, which they probably did that to avoid legal troubles, because the the asylum has had some legal issues in the past. Like, they've they've made their titles extremely similar to other titles that have come out, and and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if the if the Asylum are the guys that did these movies, but you know, like whenever Transformers came out, they came out with a movie called Transmorphers. Whenever a new Terminator movie came out, they came out with one called The Terminators. You know, like it's just <laughs> it's uh, I don't I don't know how they get funding. I just I just I don't I don't know. 
So, anywho, I, I walked into this movie with very little expectations and was just like, okay, I'm watching this movie, let's, let's do it, let's get it over with. I had seen the trailer, and based on the trailer, it actually looked somewhat good. Like, good, the best that it could be. You know, like, I mean, anyone who looks at this movie knows that they're in for... If you enjoy this film, it's going to be strictly as a guilty pleasure. Which, I'm not going to lie, I will openly state, like, as a guilty pleasure, yes, the film was decent. But if you look at it as just straight up how the movie was and and all of that kind of stuff, and everything looped in, like, how was the cast, how was the CGI, how was the the fight itself, and all that. The movie's trash. It's, it's complete and utter trash. But, um, looking at it as, like, you know, walking in, because you have to have a certain mentality whenever you get ready to go watch a bad movie. Like, okay, like, this is going to be ridiculous. <clears throat> it's trying to take itself seriously, but in that in the regard of it trying to take itself seriously, like, you sit there and be like, it just, a lot of things that happen in the movies make zero sense whatsoever. So, uh, first of all, I'm going to talk about the cast. Not the entire cast, but pretty much the main, the main characters of the cast. So, the, the lead role is played by a lady. The character she plays is Dr. Linda Murphy. And the actress that they chose to play her was a, a woman by the name of Ariana Scott. I did not bother to look up what else she was in. It just, it was irrelevant to me. And, um, this, I think she could have potential to be a decent actress. But as far as this movie is concerned, because there's been some good actors and actresses that have been put in movies that are well below their skill set. And it's like even just... It's like being in that type of movie, it's like they severely lower their acting abilities. I don't know if this is what this lady did, but I will go on ahead and say she is definitely one of the more negative aspects about this movie to me. Not the character... But the the way that she chose to portray the character. She overacts a lot. Like, it's like almost any every single time you see her, she's acting panicked. She's acting aggressive. Way more times in the movie than you would think is necessary. She constantly has, like, this grimace on her face where, like, it's like she's struggling to do something or she's in pain or something like that. And I guess she was, you know, she was just trying to convey that the situation that they were in was dire and all of that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's like, you know, pick your battles. Like, you know, and I'm, I'm not in, an actor in movies or anything like that. The full extent of my acting that I've done has been in whenever I was younger I've been in a few church plays because I've told you guys that I grew up in a Pentecostal household. So yes, I have played Roman soldiers and uh, followers of Jesus and all of that kind of stuff in numerous uh, Easter plays and all of that kind of stuff. Like I've just, you know, I've been there. And I also did uh, some stage productions in 
school uh, done by like Shakespeare and all of that. So that that's pretty much the full extent of my acting ability. So by no means do do I really have the right to criticize anybody on their acting abilities because I myself don't really don't do it. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and I've always been a firm believer that if you're going to criticize somebody on how they do something, you should at least have some experience in doing that yourself. Um, but with with this lady, like, it was just... Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much like what my biggest gripe about her is that she, she pretty much had this, this attitude throughout the entire film to where, you know, like I said, she the situation was dire, but she always came off as super aggressive. She always had that facial expression like she was in pain or she was struggling to do something. And it just like, you know, like show show some other emotion in the in the film. Like, yeah, so that that was my pretty much my my, my biggest issue with her. And then it's on to the biggest name that was in the film, one individual by the name of Eric Roberts, who is the brother of Julia Roberts. Uh, I've been a fan of Eric Roberts for many, many years. The first thing I ever saw him in, though I did not know it was him at the time, was whenever I was younger in that little two-part miniseries called The Odyssey. I believe it was two parts. Uh, it was made for TV and all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a good little miniseries. I really enjoy it. And he played one of the suitors that was after Odysseus's wife. He was pretty much like the, the, the head honcho of all of the suitors and all of that. And so that was the first thing I've seen him in. And I've been a fan of him ever since. And he's been in, you know, films like The Expendables. He's been uh, in The Dark Knight. Like, he's, you know, he's, he's a very accomplished actor. And you can tell whenever an actor, like, their career is pretty well behind them or they're just looking for work, or if he's just to the point to where he's like, ah, I don't really care uh, what kind of work I do or anything like that. I'll just sign up for everything. There are some actors that say yes to any role that they are presented to. And this may have been the case for Eric Roberts. You know, I'm not entirely sure. But anywho, he plays the national security advisor by the name of Ethan Marcos. And... He's honestly a highlight of the film. You could tell that he, you could easily tell that he's like the most accomplished actor in the film. Like he, you know, he actually plays the part and all of that kind of stuff. He conveys different types of emotions uh, throughout the film and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, Eric Roberts was definitely one of the the few highlights of the film that I liked. Now then there was a character by the name of Eva, and she was a Russian asset, I guess you would call her, maybe not necessarily an asset, but she was a Russian spy or something that was supposed to be helping with the, uh, you know, dealing with the crisis, the problem and all of that. And she was played by Katie Sharika, Sharika, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure how to pronounce her last name, but, um, she, she came and went you know, there there were parts of the movie where I was like, she's not that bad. Then there were other parts of the movie where she was like super, super um, annoying. And, um, you know, like she, she left very, very, very little of an impact in my mind. Like whenever I'm going to be thinking about this movie <clears throat> in the future 
and all of that. Like she, she's not really going to be popping up into my mind anytime soon. Um, she plays like she's supposed to be a very good friend to Linda Murphy or they end up becoming friends and all of that. Like, I, I don't know. Like there, there were parts of the movie where I kind of zoned out and I wasn't really paying attention if I'm being perfectly honest with you. So, um, <clears throat> like there's, there's a uh, spoiler alert. There's, uh, you know, a time where it's like, oh, she's doing some stuff behind the scenes, behind uh, Dr. Murphy's back and it all comes to light and like, how could you do this to me? Like I was doing my job, you know, like and all that. And then they, they have a little spat, they go their separate ways and all that kind of stuff. And then by the end of the movie, they reconcile and, you know, and all that kind of nonsense. It, it was a very cliche moment in the film. Now, easily one of the most like entertaining, I would say like for, um, comedy relief that was in the film was a character that was by the, uh, by the name of Jones. That's it. Just Jones. And, um, he is played by Shane Hardigan. Like, and I say like he was enjoyable and obvious he was the comedy relief. I say that, you know, he was actually funny and his acting skills were pretty decent. Like some of the things that he would say, some of the things that he would do, like he had like real good, like reactionary facial expressions uh, being, you know, just being a smart aleck and all that kind of stuff. He, he was, he was very much a highlight. I, w I would probably say he was the highlight of the film as far as I'm concerned. Like he, he will be one of the most memorable things that, you know, it could be 10 years from now. And I think back on this movie and I'll be like, you know, that Jones guy, he was, he was pretty funny in that movie. Like, uh, it wouldn't like bust a gut, laugh out loud kind of funny, but you know, whenever you're watching a movie to where like, you know, it's, you know, it's bad. And whenever things are happening and you're just like rolling your eyes, like really, that's what they decide to do and all of that kind of stuff. Like he was, he was a good relief for all of that. Like whenever he would show up, you know, you kind of paid attention to what he was doing. You paid attention to what he was saying and he was, he stole the show anytime he was on screen like so he he was definitely a uh, uh probably the highlight of the film as far as i'm concerned so now i'm going to talk about like you you could tell the production of this film was very low i i didn't i didn't look too hard if i'm being honest with you about what the budget of this film would be, but I, I would be very surprised if it was over a million. Like, I would be surprised if it was even at one million. Like, if you just, you watch the film and you kind of see, like, if you just see the way the film is shot and all of that kind of stuff, like, it just, it screams low budget. And... You, you pretty much get the idea of this with the opening credits of the film, considering that the opening credits is played upon stock footage of just, you know, news footage and stuff like that. And so immediately, like, anytime you see a movie do something like that, unless it's like a real big budget movie, and the, the <clears throat> sometimes they shoot it to where it's like, it's meant to be stock footage, like the 2014 Godzilla film, you look at the opening credits of that film and you can tell like it's meant to portray or be portrayed like you're looking at old like news articles and things like that. But it's all, you know, it was all new footage that was shot for that film. Whereas in this film, it was literally just stock footage. 
like free to use stock footage and they're like, yep, we'll just play this stuff and, um, you know, slap the opening credits on there. And, you know, it was like some NASA stuff, some guys, some astronauts and all of that, because that is key to the plot. Um, the ape by the name of Abraham in this film, uh, he was a chimp that went into space. And so that's why that stock footage is used. Um, <clears throat> another thing to where you could just pretty much tell that this, this was a very low production film was, um, pretty much any time there were military missions to where there would have to be like foot soldiers on the ground. Usually there was only like three to five soldiers at a time. Um, you know, to my knowledge, unless you're like black ops or something like that, the military does not send just little, you know, two or three man missions or something or like that. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. My my military career was very short. I was in the Marine Corps and I was uh, discharged about halfway through boot camp because I have a hole in my eardrum and I'm going deaf. So I'm not, you know, I'm not up to speed exactly how military operations go and all of that kind of stuff. But just, you know, like, oh, well, we need to go check this out. Like, hey, you four soldiers, you know, go. <laughs> you know, and there's nothing special about the soldiers. They're just random soldiers. That's why I said, like, it doesn't seem like that seems like the type of thing where it'd be like, no, we need to do like, we need to send in some seals or we need to send in some recons or, you know, like a, a legit black ops team that's used to doing that kind of thing or something like that. Not just, oh, we got to go check this out. Hey, you four soldiers that's standing in the corner that don't have anything going on that we don't even know your names or not even going to bother giving rank to you whenever I'm calling your name, uh, calling your name and all that kind of stuff. Go, go, go check out the alien spacecraft <laughs> and all of that. But anywho, whenever the military missions would be going on and there's only about, you know, three to five or six soldiers involved. One of the biggest tells that like, okay, this is definitely not uh, a high production film is none of their uniforms match. Like there, there is a, there is a part in the beginning where the craft that is holding Abraham comes back from outer space and lands on earth. Uh, and they they go to check it out to see what it is and there's like there's like three soldiers and there's a doctor that's with them the three soldiers all have different types of camo on like <laughs> you know it just it didn't make no sense that none of their uniforms matched and the other guy the doctor like he's obviously not just a regular doctor because he was able to partake in a field mission with soldiers and all that kind of stuff. They handed him a weapon and he seemed very well trained and all that. So maybe he is a former soldier of some kind, but even him, like his uniform that he was wearing was a vest, like a camo vest and blue jeans. And I'm just like, what, 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 you know, like I'm witnessing this and I'm like, what, what kind of backwoods, like, is this, is this Second Amendment right people, like, you know, being the well-regulated militia where we just went to, we just kind of went to an army surplus store and bought whatever camo uniform we could find? I mean, like, you know, it just, it, ah, that, that part didn't make, make any sense. Um, you know, I mentioned, uh, the, the lead actress, Ariana Scott, that she was very aggressive and that she overacted a pretty good bit. 
it wasn't just her. Like, it was a lot of them. Like, mind you, a lot of the actors didn't do it quite as bad as uh, the leading lady did. But it, it was all pretty much, you know, being overacting and being overly aggressive. And, you know, like, whenever something would happen, you could tell that the actors were trying to convey that it was a big deal and that they're trying to figure something out or, you know, like, it's they're in a very dangerous situation and I would get that if, you know, they were out in the field and they were dealing with the monsters fighting or something like that. But sometimes it was something just as simple as like they were looking at security camera footage and they're literally running around and being aggressive and talking about this footage, this past footage, mind you, that's like a, uh, you know, probably about 12 hours old and they're treating it as like, we have to find out what this is as soon as possible, you know? Like, I mean, there, there's, like, Jones at one point literally runs from one end of the room to the other to get to another computer because they're trying to find out what's going on in the footage. And it's like, guys, there's no need to act so panicked right now. Like, it's security cam footage. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to be deleted, you know, anytime soon. Like, simmer down. And, you know, part another thing about this movie, it's like, you know, it's one of those times where it's like, you know, they, they desperately want to try and put the narrative together to where, like, you know, to make the actors realize, like, they're dealing with a monster, or something like that. And one scene that I will use is the scene where they are looking at the security cam footage. And <clears throat> the footage had been tampered with by the Russians. And so they make it make it to where it's untampered to where they can look at it. And whenever it comes to, the, to a point where they can kind of, you know, they can see some of the footage for what it is. They see a shadow appear over like the small spacecraft that, um that Abraham was in, and the shadow, <coughs> pardon me, the shadow itself doesn't look all that big on the vessel. I mean, the vessel itself is not that large. It's just a small, um, God, I can't think of the word to call it, capsule, I guess you would say, that Abraham was in, and, um, you know, hardly bigger, like, there there are, there are restrooms that are bigger than this thing, like, single toilet restrooms that are bigger than this capsule, and you see a shadow come over the capsule that doesn't even cover up the entire capsule, and the leading lady, um, you know, Dr. Murphy by Miss Scott, she, she looks at it, and she's like, does that look like a tail to you? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, and it's just like, so you have this shadow, that very, very briefly covers part of this very small capsule. And the first conclusion that you jump to is that it's a tail. The shadow of a tail. A monstrous tail. Like, you know, it's just overreaching, trying their best to force the narrative to move forward and all of that. And it just like... Ugh. Um... You know, obviously this was a ripoff of Godzilla vs. Kong, but there's, there's also a similarity that I noticed to the film Rampage, which is based on the uh, old arcade video game, and I've already done an episode on Rampage, so if you haven't listened to that, go check it out. 
But um, the reason why the two, the monster and the ape in this film, the two type, title characters, the reason why they get so large is because there was an alien um, substance, I will call it, that causes them to grow larger and the aliens will be able to have control over the creatures and all of that. And the reason why, like, whenever we first, <clears throat> the monster, whenever it's exposed to the substance, it grows very, very quickly. Already gets, like, kaiju-sized, simply because it ingested the substance. Like, it was, it was a small lizard, it saw it, it started drinking it, it ingested it, and it caused it to grow that much faster. It's the same, like, with Abraham... The substance was inside the capsule or was around the capsule to where somehow it got into like the ventilator systems and all that. And he was simply inhaling the substance. So his growth was much longer. Like it took him a lo much longer time to be able to grow to kaiju size the way that the monster did and all of that. That is something, it's never really been confirmed but it's something that is very similar to Rampage in that whenever the monsters start growing in Rampage, you see that George and Ralph, whenever they come up to the capsules that have the substance in there, they both inhale the fumes from it. And so their growth is much longer. They don't get near as big. Like, you know, you could tell after a while they kind of peak, peak out. To a certain point and all of that. To where they're roughly the size of the original King Kong. You know, about 30, 30 feet tall or something like that. Whereas Lizzie, the crocodile that's in the film. Whenever the capsule lands in the water. Lizzie actually eats the capsule and ingests it. And so it's always been a theory that that's why Lizzie got so much larger than Ralph and George. Because she actually consumed the substance. And that's pretty much the same thing what they do here with this film. Uh, Abraham simply inhales it, so his growth was very long, very, you know, it took him a long time to get to kaiju size, whereas <clears throat> um, the monster, whenever it ingested it, it grew to kaiju size like within within a day, like a ridiculous amount of, of time. It went from this little itty-bitty lizard to freaking you know, Godzilla-sized monster and all of that. Um, uh, un unfortunately, I'm gonna... You know what? I'm gonna save that for last. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my, my notes, but I'm gonna save that for last. I was gonna talk about the fight between the two monsters, but let's be honest here, that's anybody that watches this movie would want to watch the movie for the fight of the two monsters, so I'm gonna uh, save that for, for last. But unfortunately, the film... You know, without, um, the film had CGI, obviously, for these two monsters. And there were times that, I'm not going to lie, the CGI was very, very spot on. Like, to where you would look at it and think this was a high production type film. Like, it, we get to see some, uh, some UFOs at one point. They looked very, very good. Like, not just your standard, like, saucer type, um... UFO. I mean, like a, an actual like intergalactic traveling type ship, and it looked really good. And I was like, "Dead gum, that's actually not too bad." Whenever the monster, 
Um, the monster can burrow underground, kind of like the 1998 Godzilla, but it can burrow underground and it looks like this massive, like it's leaving like this massive trail, kind of like a kaiju-sized Bugs Bunny. And um, <clears throat> the trail that it's leaving, that looks pretty good. There were multiple times whenever the monster showed up, mainly whenever it showed up in Washington, D.C. for the final showdown, when it first comes up out of the ground, it looks really good. It looks really convincing. And I'm like, holy mackerel. Like, that looks a lot better than I thought it would, which I, I genuinely think that the monster in the film, it looks pretty awesome overall. Like, I know that this is a very low-budget film, so the chance of there ever being, like, an action figure line of this film is very slim to none. But, yeah, I would absolutely love to have a, a figure or a statue or something of some kind of the monster from this movie. I think it was a really cool design. I think it looked very, very convincing, like a very dangerous-looking kaiju. <clears throat> like, I just, you know, I, w I would be perfectly fine with having some sort of collectible of the monster uh, in this film. Abraham, on the other hand, largely and for the most part looked horrible whenever it came to CGI. Like there, there were times like whenever he would like be standing up and like beating his chest and all of that kind of stuff. Like I would just look at it and be like, I've seen better graphics in PlayStation 2 game cutscenes. Like, um, uh, I don't know the extent of you you gaming fans out there, but if anyone ever played Final Fantasy X, um, many of the cutscenes that are in Final Fantasy X are some of, in my opinion, for the time, with it being, you know, the PlayStation 2 and all of that kind of stuff, they were some of the best cutscenes of of the day back then. The, the cutscenes um, in Final Fantasy X completely blow... Ever, think of the worst cutscene, the worst like CGI cutscene of Final Fantasy X, and it was far above and beyond better graphics than anything that Abraham was in this film. Like he was very goofy looking, he was very cartoony looking. <clears throat> You could tell that, like, they put a lot of focus on the monster because he looked pretty legit. Probably 80% of the movie, the monster looks pretty legit. Um, with Abraham, you could tell that it just really seemed like they did not put a lot of focus into it. He looked pretty, pretty rough for the majority of it, and they would just kind of superimpose him in any kind of environment that they wanted to. He looked very out of place a lot of times. Like, it just, you know, Abraham was, was pretty terrible. Like, I'll, I'll use that word very confidently. He looked terrible in this film. And so now for the fight, you know, because the movie is called Ape versus Monster, and it is a ripoff of Godzilla versus Kong. The whole premise of both films is that two giant monsters are going to duke it out. In Godzilla versus Kong, we got three matchups with Godzilla and Kong. The first one being at the aircraft carrier. The second one being in Hong Kong. The third one, after about a minute and a half of a cutscene and Godzilla being unconscious, is Godzilla coming back to, you know, 
being conscious once again and having the third and final fight. But not just those three fights between them. <clears throat> there was a decent amount of action throughout the entire the entire film. Like we got to see Kong throw down with two warbats. We got to see Kong and some of the human characters throw down with the little ugly chicken kaiju bird things down in the hollow earth. We got to see Godzilla throw down with Mecha Godzilla. We got to see Godzilla and Kong team up to take down Mecha Godzilla. There was a it's called Godzilla versus Kong and they fought 3 times, but there was plenty of other like kaiju action. We we got to see Mecha Godzilla just completely wreck a skull crawler. Like I mean, we we got to see a lot of kaiju action in that film. In this film, I will be generous. Like first of all, they they the monsters only fight one time, and there's a lot of cutscenes that happen in between, like while they're fighting and all of that kind of stuff. So if you remove all of the filler scenes and all that of the the some of the most annoying human characters in existence just rambling and talking and overacting and and all of that. If you remove all of that and look simply at just the fight, I will be generous and say that this fight lasts 30 seconds with maybe 10 hits exchanged between the two of them. Like, whenever they first meet up and they go to fight, you know, they kind of do like a, a mock a mock-up version of, like, Kong first punching um, Godzilla. They kind of do that with, with this, but it doesn't look near as impressive. Um, like, Abraham punches the monster, then the monster hits him, then Abraham hits him back, then the monster hits him, and then the monster, like, bites down on Abraham's neck, and the fight is at a standstill. Like, it's just, you know, whatever. It's just, it's not going no further. And then Eva, the, the Russian lady that I told you about that, you know, she comes back, spoiler alert, she pretty much saves the day by sacrificing herself by ramming an Apache helicopter into the back of the monster to cause him to let loose of Abraham. I understand what they were trying to do with this scene. They were trying to make it emotional and all of that kind of stuff. The only problem is no nobody would be attached to Ava at this point in time. She is a, a very annoying character. Nobody really gives a hoot about her or anything. And she, like, it was just, ah. <laughs> you know, it was, it was very lackluster. Let me put it to you like that. <clears throat> and so then, uh, now that the monster has let go, Abraham turns back around. By the way, after the Apache chopper rams into the monster, there's about another good... 30 to 45 seconds of useless banter between the um, the human characters. All the while, I guess, the two monsters are just standing there staring at each other before they continue their fight. And then they, they start fighting again, and it's about the same thing. Ape punches monster. Monster hits ape. Ape punches monster. Monster hits ape. And then Abraham just grabs the monster by its head, and he's holding it for a while, you see kind of like a cutaway, and then whenever it comes back, it's very quick, it's very sudden, it's very unexpected, just snap! And that's it. Abraham snapped the neck of the monster. And that's it. Falls down dead. 
you know, and they tried to make this little thing to where, like, oh, well, we're still going to try and kill Abraham, the military is, and all of that kind of stuff. But um, it ends up not happening. You know, they wanted to have that last little bit of suspense and all of that kind of stuff. And it was just, you know, anyone that went to watch this movie was like, at the very least, you know, we could get some some semblance of at least a decent fight. And whenever I say decent, I mean, like, even if it's just them doing the same exact thing that I just talked about, this one hit that one, that one hit this one, you know, just taking turns punching each other, but let it last longer than 30 seconds and let there be more than, than 10 hits between them, you know? I mean, I just sat here for an hour and a half watching your movie and called Ape versus Monster, and then that's, that's, that's what we ended up getting. That would be the same thing as if you go to some very unknown, like, boxing event that's going to have no lead-up fights to the main event, and it's literally just going to be people like stand-up comedy or something, and every single bit of it is stuff that you've never heard of, but you're like, at least, at least there's a fight at the end of the night. I'm going to get to watch this fight and all of that, and then the main event comes, the bell rings, they come out to the center, and it's like, punch, 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 boom, knockout. And you're going to sit there and be like, I, I sat here this whole time for for that. Like, you know, like, oh boy. So, yeah, even the fight itself is not, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's it's really not. It's not worth it. Um, So, overall, if you just want to watch a very terrible, very terrible CGI bad acted um monster movie with a very 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 small fight towards the climax of the film uh this movie's for you so go go check it out um <laughs> like i said it was decent it was better than i thought it would be um i do have a a guilty pleasure for watching bad movies so in that regard um, not gonna lie, I had to pause my recording, <clears throat> uh, to go, to go deal with something concerning my pets, and by the time I got back, I forgot what my last thought was, so if, um, if, if it sounds like, you know, I was in the middle of saying something and now I'm talking about this, that's, that's why, and I, uh, I apologize for that, but, <clears throat> yeah, um, overall, uh, the film was, you know, it's definitely a guilty pleasure movie. And, um, I, b I believe I was talking about like that. I do like bad movies. And so I'm glad that I got it simply and that I watched it just because I do have a, uh, guilty pleasure for terrible cheesy films and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, I've decided that I'm going to do this more often. Like the asylum has made, like I said, numerous mockbusters of, um, kaiju films and all of that. And I'm going, I'm going to continue doing this. Like, um, yesterday I went to my, uh, one of my local Walmarts here and, uh, I saw a movie called Planet Dune and the creature that's on the cover of it is very much a, uh, looks a whole lot like a sandworm and it takes place on a desert planet and all that. Like, gee, I wonder what this film's a ripoff of. <laughs> you know, so I got that and I'm going to do a review on that as well. But, uh, you know, I, I eventually will do reviews of Atlantic Rim, its sequel. Um, I can't remember the name of the title or anything. 
Uh, they did a, the Asylum did another muckbuster called Monster Island. Um, you know, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue this. This was as, as bad as this movie was, it was a fun experience and all of that. So yeah, I'm definitely going to, uh, going to continue doing this. Um, they, they actually in the film, I believe that they put like a nod to the original King Kong at one point with Abraham because the, the final battle is taking place in, uh, Washington DC. And there's a point where Abraham starts to climb, uh, the Washington monument and like, you know, it's, it just very, it's very, you know, it's hard to watch a movie with a giant ape and see them climbing like a very tall tower type thing and not immediately think of Kong climbing the Empire State Building. It's just, it's one of the most iconic things in fiction at this point. And so I don't know if they intentionally did that as um, a nod to the original King Kong, which if they did, props to them. If not, and they just decided to have Abraham climb something, then, you know, whatever. But alrighty, guys, that pretty much does it for... um. My official review of Ape vs. Monster that came out in 2021. I think on a scale of 1 to 10, I would give the film, you know, uh, I'd probably give it about a 4 or 5, if I'm being honest with you. Because there, there were parts of it that I liked. There were parts of it that, like, you know, I thought it was better than, it was better than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, like, okay. But then there are other parts that are just, you know, just silly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be right in the middle. I would say four or five, probably lean more towards four, but yeah, so that's, that's, uh, pretty much, uh, my, my review of eight versus monster. Um, before I announce the, the film that I'm going to be doing next week, uh, just going ahead and say, uh, if you guys haven't listened to my, <clears throat> my latest, uh, weekly havoc, uh, there's a pretty cool story uh, concerning me and comic book artist Matt Frank and a dinosaur toy and go check that out. I've already, he posted a video, uh, on his YouTube. That's just simply called Matt Frank explaining what happened. Um, and the title of the video is thank you, Cal, the Kaiju guy. And, uh, he sent me a gift and I did a video that of an unboxing of the video I mean, an unboxing of the gift and all of that and put it on my YouTube. And so my YouTube is called Cal the Kaiju Guy. If you guys want to see what Matt Frank sent me and also hear like the entire story, go check out his video uh, and then, you know, check out mine. Between the two of them, both videos are probably, you know, they're only about 20 minutes long uh, combined, you know, combined. So go check that out and be sure to check me out on Facebook, Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong podcast, my Godzilla Ultima fan page. Uh, check me out on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube on all three of those platforms. My, my, the names of them are all Cal the Kaiju guy. And, um, I know it's been a while since I've asked for this, but I've gotten a lot more listeners and a lot more subscribers on the YouTube and all of that kind of stuff. So if you haven't done so already, I would very much appreciate if you guys would go and rate and or review the podcast on whatever platform it is that you listen to the show on, be it Apple Podcasts, uh, I believe Spotify does ratings and all of that now. So I would very much appreciate if you guys would go and do that because it helps like with search algorithms. <clears throat> if somebody goes to search for 
a kaiju-centered podcast on Google, higher-rated shows with higher ratings and reviews and followers and all that kind of stuff, those pop up first. And so I would like for mine to be one of the top ones to pop up whenever somebody is uh, just wanting to look for a, a new kaiju podcast to listen to. So if you don't mind, please go and do that. And then, as always, please go like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm really trying to get that channel off the ground. Things are going pretty well. I've got plenty of figures that I'm going to be doing uh, some unboxings of here in the, um, in the very near future. Uh, one of them is, it came in yesterday. I'm very, very happy and excited. I finally got my SH Monster Arts uh, Godzilla Ultima figure. So I'm going to be doing an unboxing of that, and I'm very excited to get to that. He immediately pretty much became the pride of my collection because I love Godzilla Ultima. And just looking at the pictures of him, I've always, you know, uh, <laughs> I've, I've wanted him for quite some time. And, um, yeah, I'll talk about the other collectibles that I got on uh, Wednesday with uh, the, the weekly Kaiju Havoc number four. But now on to next week's episode, a week from today at the time of this recording, I will be doing, I believe this is how you pronounce the, uh, the Kaiju's name, I will be doing, I'm going back to the Gamera franchise once again, I will be doing Gamera versus Jiger. And counting this film, there's only three more uh, Gamera films in the Showa era that I haven't covered yet. And so I'm, I'm very much nearing the end of the Gamera Showa era films. And once I'm done with those, I will do something very similar to what I did with Godzilla after I covered all the Showa eras in the Godzilla franchise. I'll do something, you know, kind of like with Godzilla, I did Showa era, the rise and fall of Godzilla part one and two. Since there isn't as many movies with Gamera, I may not split it into a part one and two. I might just do one super episode, but you know, I don't... That still might be like an hour and a half, and I know I've got some episodes that are an hour and a half, but I try, I try to keep them closer to, you know, an hour at most, or something like that, because I know some people just don't want to sit there and listen to super, super long episodes and all of that kind of stuff, so I might split it still into, into two, like cover the first four movies and then the last, you know, four or five movies, or uh, however many there are, uh, the number is escaping me. But, uh, yeah, so I'm coming very, very close to being done with the Gamera Showa era films, and I will do, I'm probably going to call it, like, the Trials of Gamera, part one and part two, or something like that. And, uh, once again, I'll handle them exactly the same way that I did with the Godzilla franchise and how I handle, um, spotlights and all of that, just talk about their history and all of that kind of stuff. So, next week, at the time of, uh... <clears throat> At the time of this recording, Gamera versus Jiger. Uh, be sure to get on my Instagram or TikTok and vote for the question of the week that I did on Wednesday, which is which size of Kong do you prefer? Either what we have here lately in the last few years with a kaiju-sized Kong and what we got in 1962, as well as the 70s where he was very large and very massive, or... Do you prefer the original sizing for Kong where he's only anywhere between 25 to 30 feet tall like we saw in the original King Kong film as well as um, 
the Peter Jackson remake. So do you prefer normal-sized Kong or do you prefer kaiju-sized Kong? Go on Instagram or TikTok and cast your votes and I'll reveal the results on Wednesday for the weekly Kaiju Havoc number four. So, alrighty guys, thanks for all the support, thanks for all the love, you guys are the best listeners out there, and we'll catch y'all next time. This is Cal the Kaiju Guy, signing out.